Hello, and welcome to Taiwan Talk, where we share the stories of people living in Taiwan and Taiwanese people living abroad. I'm Trevor Tortomasi, and joining me in the studio today is Isabella Tan, Chen Yingxiu. Isabella is a filmmaker raised in Taiwan and Malaysia, also spending some years in the U.S. Her film work has garnered awards at international film festivals. Hopefully lots more to come. What are you working on now? I'm working on a documentary that's taking me kind of um, throughout Asia and London. It's feature length. It's about an Asian, very prolific Asian designer. What other projects do you have coming up? I, I hear that you have one in Taiwan next year. I do, yeah. I'm working on a project um, in Taipei next year, early next year. It's a story that I read in one of the books um, that I picked up in the library in Taiwan called Taiwan Tales, which is a collection of uh, short stories written by people from Taiwan and people who have lived in Taiwan for a long time. So and one of the stories kind of talks about the famous underground market that's in the, I think, Zhongxiao Donghua Station. Uh-huh. Um, I was about to ask which famous underground market. I know, there's two, right? Um, The one that I grew up going to, my grandmother used to take me there, was the Zhongxiao Donghua. It's kind of a social commentary on how it's changed um, in the last 20 years. What makes Taiwan the perfect place for this project? For one, I'm quite biased because I was born here and I grew up here. So that alone, there's a lot of... um, memories and heartwarming things that kind of speak to me on a personal level. Secondly, um, I think Taiwan and especially Taipei is like one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I would love to capture that, you know, on the medium that I've chosen to to be an artist on. So you did spend many of your formative years in Malaysia. How do you think that comes out in the work that you make? Um, Malaysia was special in the way that it was such a melting pot of culture. Taiwan is very distinctive in like uh, it's food, it's people, it's languages, and Malaysia kind of is the same way, except uh, because we have such a big mixture of people. We have Malays, we're Chinese, we have Indians, um, we have the Westerners uh, <laughs> that came in. It's Sorry. Yeah, you should mm-hmm. be. Um, but it's a massive melting pot of culture, and I think that really helped growing up. I kind of grew up exposed to a lot of different languages, and it kind of made me, I think, a more at least for myself, a more like open-minded person um, when I was traveling around. Well, uh, getting to you being in New York City and some of the stuff you worked on there, I mean, there have been some extremely troubling cases of um, racially motivated violence against Asian Americans in New York City. Yep. Um, has this affected some of the stories you want to tell? I think, yes. There's now a big push for Asian representation in film. And I think right now, though, there is a push for um, Asian faces to be on screen, which I think is an incredible opportunity for us to knock some of those doors down. And it's it's been great in the sense that um, with all this demand coming out, there's there's this big, there's this playing field that wasn't there before for a lot of Asian artists to kind of get out there and like put their best foot forward and show off our work and show what we can do. I think when I first went to America, I was one of those people that really wanted to fit in with the crowd. And it took me a couple of years to, to kind of be more comfortable and proud of my identity and heritage. And after that, um, my last few years in college, I made it a specific point to make sure that I myself as a director um, and a cinematographer would purposely push for more people of color, especially Asian faces, to be on screen and behind the camera too, actually. It's really important for uh, the people behind the camera to be also people of color Mm. because that's that's the best way you can get people of color on screen. 
let's get them behind the screen as well. Because I feel like um, the more opportunities are given to not just white people, I feel like they will start to tell their own stories. It would be more diverse than what is commercialized mm. or has been commercialized in America. Having having more people of color and executive producer seats or directorial seats or, you know, in, in seats where they kind of make decisions, um, if they decide to tell stories that uh, are from them, then obviously they would pick people that look like them to represent those. And I feel like that creates a lot more opportunities. Are there any crazy industry stories from working in a place like Hollywood or New York? There was a film I worked on in New York City um, where it was a film that was meant to put women in positions of power in this like spy thriller thing that was funded by um, an organization and they wanted an all-female crew, an all-female cast and um, I was signed on to be the cinematographer for that project um, and then we got on set and obviously, you know, the director was male and the producer was male everyone else was female oh, I was about to say so far so good and then, yeah, okay. yeah, I know and and it, it, it became clear that it was one of those we're doing it for the right reasons kind of thing but we're not going to give up our positions of power to, to women so Right, lip service. Yeah, exactly. A lot of lip service. And then the producer did some gross stuff. Okay. Um, and then everyone walked off set. I mean, it's definitely kind of a weird situation when it comes to legality and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like with the Me Too movement that's happening now in America, people are kind of, uh, a lot of victims are more brave to come forward. And I think that's a really good thing. I think being a female cinematographer anywhere is kind of a commodity, is kind of like, wow, really? You do that kind of work? Because um, there's so little women yeah, there's, there's a little bit of, I think it's becoming more common now, um, but it definitely was difficult when I started. There was definitely a lot of, um, oh, really? You're shooting today? Oh, okay. You know, and that kind of thing. And a lot of proving myself through my work. But yeah, we're doing better than we did 10 years ago. So yeah, awesome. Can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I just need to flood the market with, with more creators who are will, like able well, to women, show. And yeah. especially Asian women, for sure. Like, it's mm -hmm. important that everyone gets represented. I think in Asian culture especially, we're taught to be more reserved. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's important to give uh, women, especially Asian women, that outlet as a filmmaker to be able to tell their stories. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what makes um, a lot of people surprised when they see Asian women on set, especially as a director and as a, as a DP. Um, and how has your filmmaking process uh, been affected by the pandemic? I have to ask the question. You know, it, it, for many reasons, though, it was really good for a lot of artists because I feel like, especially in such a hustle culture as New York um, and in cities, cities have this like big hustle mentality. The pandemic kind of forced us to all slow down. Mm -hmm. And even though work really suffered, I think for a lot of people, it personally made me and a lot of people that I know um, reflect personally and we finally had time for something that we usually wouldn't have time for because on set we're working 12 14 16 hours a day um non-stop morning till night and you know everything's just about the work that we're putting out there so being able to have um that time to kind of sit and reflect and you know all that kind of stuff was really really good um for a lot of people and a lot of a lot of uh collaborators i know actually are leaving the commercial industry and going back into like uh, indie work or narrative work specifically because, yeah, they just had time to kind of sit with themselves and think for a second. And mm. Simple question. What is the most uh, difficult aspect of making films for you? Right after we talked about the pandemic, so you can't use that one. I know, I know. Um, making films. I think the most difficult aspect is to make sure everyone's happy. 
That's a really good aspect. Wow. I mean, in in the film industry, it's really hard to do that. It's probably impossible to really do that. Um, near impossible. The I mini, say the mini sandwiches don't have enough ham in them. Like, <laughs> Something like that. There's not it's not enough red M and M's on the table. But um, <laughs> it really is more about the fact that uh, it is a draining job. It is a laborious job. Um, they have unions in America for that for a reason because the work. Naive hours, question. Do they not hear? No. Oh. The, the, <laughs> look at the camera. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I think there is one, but from what I've what I know from my producer friends in Taipei, it's pretty non-functioning. So I think keeping everyone happy is hard. Um, making sure everyone is paid really, really well also very difficult because also very difficult. There are so there are so many it's aspects of filmmaking. Money. So of course you have the commercial jobs that are high-paying jobs, but maybe a little bit boring. On the boring side, and then you have the really creative jobs like music, music videos, and short films, and of course, those never have that much money. So it's kind of pendulum swings both ways. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, does spending so much of your life in sort of big cities, in and around big cities, compel you or drive you away from telling more big city stories? It does both. I I definitely admit that I am always kind of casting an eye on outside of big city stories and uh, the Taipei is such a great place for that because you know you get on the train and two hours later you're like in this beautiful mountain village somewhere and yeah it I feels like you're leaving Taipei and entering Taiwan for sure what has been your biggest inspiration uh, I took a Chinese cinema class oh nice and it was actually a really wonderful class we watched so many movies um, a lot of classic movies and a lot of modern movies from like Wong Kar Wai and Lian and um, Fly Yes, okay. Good. That's actually the only other one I can remember right now. So. <laughs> yeah, so I watched all those films and I was so inspired by the way they kind of told these stories that were so... Common isn't the right word, but there were, there were such relatable everyday life stories. At least about falling in love right. and loss and dealing with loss and dealing with identity and dealing with um, immigrating to different countries and um, sexuality and all that kind of stuff. Because before that, I I was honestly inspired by like Lord, Lord of the Rings and those really, really, really big films. And I was mm -hmm. like, yes, I want to make those. And but you realize there's a lot to say with just about everyday life. I know. And it was it was so nice. And lower, kind of like... lower production cost. <laughs> hey. you'd, be a good you'd be a good producer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, cut the budget down by a little bit. I mean, I still want to make Lord of the Rings. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it made me realize that it's not all about the theatrics and all, not all about, you know, the big special effects and not about this or that. A lot of it's about um, just like stories about everyday life. And those stories are so important. And I think a lot of people, you know, always look for the big, exciting action movies. And I've come to really love those films through Taiwanese cinema. Um, I mean, even this film that came out last year called like, I think it's Little Big Woman. It was such a beautiful and very relatable story. And I think it was just wonderfully told. And it was such a simple tale. And even the one coming out this year, American Girl, which is about this Taiwanese, uh, this young Taiwanese child that like went to America and then came back to Taiwan and kind of had to reckon with kind of feeling like an outsider in her own country. Right. Yeah. Reverse culture shock is definitely a thing. It's something. What project are you the most proud of? Every project I'm proud of. Okay, nice. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's one of those questions where... It's tough. Um, Sometimes people are like, hard. this one we spent the most money on. So I mean, like, I can say this. There is one project that I loved, 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 mostly because it was such a passion project. And I mean that in every sense of the word, budget-wise, mm -hmm. labor-wise. It was like a family unit. Two-thirds of everyone that was on set was from different parts of Asia. 
mm. and uh, we all gathered in the deserts of Nevada. We all gathered. Okay, it wasn't Burning Man. No, <laughs> it wasn't Burning Man. Burning okay. Man was not a film project that I made, okay. unfortunately. Um, no, but we we gathered in Death Valley and we shot this music video for almost no money. But it was the most well run set, even though there were like five of us, six of us present. But it was it, that was one of my favorite projects because it kind of it, it reignited that spark in me. I was doing commercials for a while before doing that music video, and it kind of reminded me what it was like to make art with your family, your chosen family, and it nice. was really fun. Your yeah. tribe. My tribe. My tribe. All right. Burning um, Man. Right, right, right. You go in calling it a family. You come out of Burning Man calling it a tribe. And where can people find your work? I'll help you out. You gave me a website, I Isabella know, Tan. I know. It's such a gross website, though. I don't want anyone to go on that website. Okay. I'm in the middle of remaking so it. So here's but. a game. Uh, everyone, there exists a website full of her work um, that she doesn't want you to see. So, some of them are really like intense drama pieces. If you're right. talking about kid-friendly, then, um, yeah, I shot for Sesame Street. and Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's super wholesome. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, go for <laughs> it. We'll finish the interview later. <laughs> talk about shooting for Sesame Street. Um, yeah, this was, uh, this was a couple years ago, but I had a friend who called me out for a job. She couldn't tell me what it was. It was a small program for Sesame Street, and it was about kids learning the alphabet. And this one was, this specific one that I shot was I, the letter I, for my name. Mm -hmm. um, no, it was eyes for instrument. So all these kids showed up with all these little drums and they would kind of talk to the cameras and tell them what this instrument was. And I learned a lot on that set that day. Okay. And it was on Sesame Street. And that was really cool. And you learned a lot about polyrhythms from uh, from the count. <laughs> One, and, two. Okay. I'm, I'm still thinking about the count teaching polyrhythms. That's like my my new favorite Sesame Street program. So um, You can find my work online on Vimeo. Um, I haven't put it on YouTube yet. You know what? Hit me up on Instagram and I'll send it to you. And that does it for Taiwan <laughs> Talk, <laughs> the show where we share the stories of people living in Taiwan and Taiwanese people living abroad. This has been Isabella Tan. Thank you for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. Once again, I am Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100. <laughs> Hey there, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to hear more from ICRT, you can check out our other podcasts. We've got Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the news in Taiwan every Friday, English in the News, for useful English expressions explained in Chinese, and EZ News, spelled with the letters E and Z, for simplified daily news. For some lighter news in both English and Chinese, check out News Bites and News for Kids. And if you enjoy them, tell a friend. Thanks for listening.